here we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain. I am so excited to present to, uh, you know, I'm sorry, Punk. I just did one interview. I need to remember to thank my patrons over at patreon.com slash bsmpod. Okay, I did that. We have somebody who, although has been on multiple Radio Melee episodes and has wiped the floor with TOEF and PPMD and whoever else happened to be on at the time. This is the first time that Punk, our guest for today, has been visual, visible to the human eye. Someone who has done so many cool things in Melee so far and probably will continue to do that and also in PM. And I'm very happy to say that even though you will be well known more for the radio melee stuff and you will continue to go on there and continue to kick butt i got you at least for one episode punk i'm very happy to have you on how you doing i'm doing well uh it's it's been kind of rough lately but today today was a very good day it started with me getting to sleep in because i don't have classes on friday this semester which is wonderful and so then a friend of mine got out of class. I had her come hang out with me, and we watched uh, replays of the snowboarding bets at the Winter Olympics while eating Domino's leftovers. And that's honestly the best way I could ask to start a Friday. That's amazing. What does the rest of your week look like where you finally get to Fridays and you're, well, first of all, the, the whole concept of Friday is great, but if for you, it's literally a day off. So what's your normal schedule look like, roughly speaking? You don't have to tell me specifics. Yeah, so my class schedule is pretty good because um, Mondays and Fridays, I don't have classes. And then one of my four classes that I'm taking is, uh, it's like an online asynchronous one, so I can just get it done whenever on my own time. In terms of classwork, it's a little bit more rough because the reason I'm only taking four classes right now is because two of those are capstones. So I'm double majoring and... The workload can be rough, but I've I've managed so far to budget my time well. So Mondays and Fridays have been a much needed break. And sometimes it's just more time to get stuff done so I don't have to rush it all. To think that you've been on Radio Melee on a Tuesday then of all days. That's amazing. Good for you. Yeah, I think last time I was on Radio Melee, I'm pretty sure it was before this semester started. So I should have been good, but I definitely have thrown myself uh, onto that broadcast on days where I had classes, and it was rough, but it was just like, depending on who I saw on there, I'm like, well, I, I have to bother this person in front of in front of 300 people. Like, it's you don't get that opportunity too frequently. No, you don't. And it's really cool that you get to do that, because I, I never, that's never a good time for me when they go live at about... It's five or six ish Eastern and I'm getting home from work or eating dinner or hanging out with my wife and two kids at the time, not to flex too hard, but you know, I just, uh, that's what I'm doing at that time. So I'm glad that, glad that people like you get to call into radio melee and that they get to talk to not only PPND and TOF, but also people like Armada. Armada has been on the show like homemade waffles and their latest guest was actually nobody because they just went over the MPGR rankings just the two of them, but it doesn't matter because it's a great, it's a great podcast. Our premiere, Melee's premiere podcast. So I was not trying to dunk on y'all too hard. I'm just really happy to get punk for longer than 15 or 20 minutes. And I also get to see you. I was just saying, I'm just saying, it's really cool to have you on. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's great. It's a, it's a different format. And, um, I found myself having to like, when I'm, 
thinking about what I'm going to ask, like when I'm sitting in, in their like Discord server and there's like the area where you submit questions or topics that you want to go over, I have to revise them so many times because I'm like, there's two or three other people that might go on and I, I can't do something that derails everything else. But I have much more freedom with what I want to talk about here. Now that'll, that'll definitely be easier for me. Yes, we can cover a lot of different topics. We got plenty of time. So what I like to do is to ask how people get into Melee. So you can spend as much time as you like on that. How did you first get into Melee? So I actually have a small, like I wrote like five or six bullet points of stuff that I wanted to talk about. One of them is how I got into Smash in general. Perfect. Getting getting into Melee, it's it's a little bit difficult to map that one out without talking about getting into Smash in general. Um, well, I guess it could be very simple, and I could say that that was the first Smash game that I played, because uh, it came with my GameCube when I got it many years ago, which at the time, my dad saw it was rated T, so he didn't let me keep that game, but I ended up finding where he hit it a few years later. I wasn't quite 13, but I got a hold of it. Um, and he didn't care because like he saw me playing it. He saw like Kirby and Marth. He's just like his only comment was like, "Why? Why is a balloon fighting a guy with a sword? That's not fair." And yeah, at the time I told him, "Uh, well, no, it's like the the it looks like kind of deceiving because Kirby Kirby has like a lot of different stuff that he can do." But now I know better, and I realize that Kirby fighting Marth is actually not fair. And my my dad was right the whole time. The whole but, time. Um, yeah. So that's how I, I first got into Smash, was I got that game. And then uh, Brawl came out. So like I think a few years after Brawl came out, I got it. It was like a year or two after. And I loved that game. But um, without you know, being too informed about the Smash scene in general or any of the competitive techniques that people used, I did notice when playing Brawl that there was some things I couldn't do. One of which being, I couldn't uh, aim where I was dodging in the air. And that made me really sad, because uh, we're well, completely unaware of the, like, the terms like wave dashing, wave landing. I definitely did do a bunch of like weird stuff, like whatever I could do with the controls that I was given as a kid. So there was, but I did find some other things overall that I absolutely loved. Like um, if you press like the B button in the air and then you flick the stick the other way, your character kind of like bounces. Uh, there was some some stuff like that. Um, I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I really wish that I could have done both of those like types of things at the same time. I will come back to that later because that that does matter a lot. Hashtag um, foreshadowing. Anyway, go ahead. And then, so I loved both of those games and then i want to say probably less than a year after i got brawl i found out about a service like within like the wii shop channel called virtual console and i found that there was another smash game that i hadn't played yet and that was the first one for the nintendo 64 and i i bought that as soon as like i had the money to and i had gone to GameStop and gotten one of those like Wii Shop point cards. Oh, I, nice. Yeah. And then, yeah, when I when and I got watched, home, you watched the Mario doing oh, the oh, yeah. up on the on the uh, on the bricks while it was downloading. Yep. Yeah, I watched that for about uh an hour and then I went to sleep and then Let's when go. I came 
and then when I when I came back uh, in the morning, the game was there, and I, I was so excited. And I had a real hard time <laughs> playing that one. I will say the transition with the controls was very different. Um, I was very happy that uh, despite it saying on the Wii Shop channel, it said like you need a classic controller to play this game. Uh, it worked just fine with my GameCube controller because I guess they didn't have any sort of indicator for that, or maybe it was implied. But yeah, that, it just that... was like a wank sort of an operation. Plus, plus, no air dodging at all. You you liked the whole air dodging concept. That must have been hard for you to get used to too. Yeah, that that was really difficult for me. Um, no air dodging, and also no side specials. The, the special moves there's up neutral down there's no side specials in that game it's very different um but i did find over time there was a lot of things i liked about this older game as well one of which was honestly i just loved how much more it mattered when the characters hit each other because if anyone's ever seen or a gameplay of or tried playing smash 64 if someone gets hit once, they're in a million years of hits done. It's crazy. Um, so I was super into all of the games. I was just enamored with like the different mechanics that they offered. Um, and oh, another thing that I, I really loved. Uh, this is something that I still tell people about this, and sometimes they don't believe me. But um, so in melee, if you're running towards an edge and you press the taunt button. You can like slide like a little bit with some characters, but they won't go off the edge and it won't like cancel their taunt unless you're playing Dr. Mario. Dr. Mario is the only character in Melee that can do that. However, everybody in Smash 64 can do that, and you can make some like really obnoxious noises if you're dashing against the ledge over and over and spamming the top button. I loved doing that as a kid. I wasn't good at it and I couldn't do it quickly, but I thought it was amazing. But so there's stuff like that. Um I liked how much hit like actually like landing hits mattered. I liked uh the way you could interrupt taunts and stuff. And then in melee, I loved the directional air dodging. Um and I loved how quickly the characters moved. Um Brawl, I just loved the way the special moves worked with bouncing around. I loved how many uh characters there were. I love being able to build stages. Um and so I thought, you know, I know these games are pretty popular. I like all of them. There's got to be some, like, pretty dedicated people who are, like, really, like, tearing these games apart online. And I, so this would have been around 2011, maybe 2010, when I'm going online to investigate this. And all I found was people who really liked Melee or really liked Brawl being really mean to each other. And I didn't find anything about Smash 64. And so even as a kid, I was like, I'm not messing with that. And then so I ended up not interacting with any of that stuff. And most of my time online ended up sticking with uh, Club Penguin as opposed to anything Smash related. Um, and then it wasn't until 2014 when this I was watching some, you know, as as a 14 year old, I was on YouTube watching some weird like Sonic meme videos. And then in the suggestion, uh, I see, like in all caps, I see Aether versus Sanic Dorf. I'm like, what is this? And I open it, and it's people playing Smash. 
However, there's one of the people who's playing. It looks like at the time it it looked like Brawl to me. One of the people is playing uh, Sonic, and one of them's playing Ike. The guy who's playing Ike, nobody in the venue seems to know where he is. This is on some college campus. No one knows who he is. This is and it's like some room in a college campus. He's playing Ike, and he's just swinging the sword, like fully charging all his smash attacks. And like the 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 guy, the actual person is just screaming the whole time. Just he's screaming the way Ike does, and everyone's just losing their mind. And this Sonic player is just running away because they don't know what's going on, and it it's wonderful. And I turns out that this and the reason the title was Aether vs Sonic Dorf is because they never figure out who this guy was, and then the other person they didn't ask who they were because they weren't as curious about. Um, as they were with the Screaming Ike player. So he <laughs> plays Sonic first, and then he played Ganondorf, so they just called him Sanicdorf in uh, in the title. And the other guy was just Aether, in all caps. <laughs> and that that video, that, that was, like, my first time ever watching, like, a competitive Smash set, and that was a Project M gameplay. And so I, I looked into it, and I'm like, okay, this, like, perfectly remedies the problem I had before with like there being this schism uh, remedied a few problems of you know not getting all the mechanics in one place uh not getting like the appreciation from different people in one place and also i had no interest in like competitive stuff i liked tearing things apart for the mechanical depth but i was never that competitive so even though it was like a you know a competition type thing you know, people were just like screaming and laughing so i'm like okay well this is the game that i need to play so I figured out how to download it. I had already had someone teach me how to hack my Wii before because um, I had gotten really into playing like custom tracks in Mario Kart Wii. So it was really easy for me to install it without learning how to do anything. And I was just so enamored with everything that that game had to offer. Um, so long story, but that's like the sequence of events of how I got into Smash. From a casual standpoint, every single Smash game is fun. I think that people who are competitively minded, who like drawing lines in the sand, went a little hard in the paint when Brawl came out because they realized Brawl is not the same game as Melee in a competitive standpoint. Yeah, no duh. So why is there a huge need to immediately tear it apart as a competitive game? Well, maybe you just don't really like it, but you can try to be nice to people who do enjoy the game. Oh, no, you can't be nice either. Uh, no, and no. this is 2008. 2008 is about the peak of degeneracy as I view it, and in the following years remain the same at about the same level. I credit Prague and Scar a lot for the Smash community in particular in about 2012-2013 for starting to really get some of the most toxic parts of it out and by then like you said PM was really really relevant to becoming very very popular and a lot of people not just PM players but Brawl players and Melee players coming into PM and saying well what's going on here? Oh as a Melee player I like how it feels. Oh as a Brawl player look it's Snake, Snake and Sonic and Charizard yeah, yeah. and and Ivasaur and everybody else in Brawl but now they move like Melee. <gasps> they put in Roy, they put in Mewtwo, PogChamp, oh this is so cool and it, what a time to be alive that sort of thing and you got to kind of see that a little bit for yourself if that was about 2012-2013 like you were saying so as a as a non-competitive person or at least minimally 
do you see yourself going to a tournament and just at least checking what that out what that's like or are you saying how else can i can i try to like actually change around stuff in pm can i mod stuff can i do programming and that kind of thing what was your angle after you got into it so the biggest thing i was curious about was i noticed that uh in the stages that you could play on in pm when i downloaded it a lot of them were uh there was definitely some stages in there that had themes in them that i even like as a 14 year old i was like yeah, that's not in Brawl by default, and it's not in Melee by default. And I guess if it's 2014, I think Smash 4 would have come out by that point, which I had tried. I, I dumped some time into that game, but uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. Out of all of the Smash games, Smash 4 is easily my least favorite. Um, I think, functionally, it seems like it is a very good 3DS game. I don't think the Wii U should have had the same game. I think it, it, that's like the mismatch there. But um, anyway, I noticed there was some stuff in there like, okay, Nintendo didn't get the licensing for this. People just put that in there because they wanted to. So I started looking up, you know, what else had people figured out that they could put in there. And I found this website. I think this is before Brawl Vault. So it would have been called like Modulux or Modulus or something like that. There was all sorts of crazy stuff on that website, um, you know, things that you would never imagine. Even though I, I had maybe didn't have too many emotional investments in the characters that I found there, there was characters that would absolutely never be in a Smash game, like Cloud Strife, for example, unheard of at the time. Um, so I, I kept finding stuff like that, and I would make my friends play it with me. Um, we found a few other things, and then there wasn't just stuff that worked with Brawl or worked with PM. There was a few other just, like, overhauls, like Brawl Minus. That one's really cool. If you've never heard of Brawl Minus, it's, uh, it's more similar to Brawl than it is to end of the other Smash games. But the game that it's second most similar to is Smash 64, because um, it's Brawl, but every character is at least, like, a little bit absurd in regards to how powerful they are. And the hit stun on all the moves is crazy. Um, and it, it takes away some things like tripping. And then there's a few really funny things in there. Like, I think Fox is the only character that can angle his air dodge. So he can wave <laughs> dash, but but nobody else can. Huh. There's, there's some real goofy stuff in there That's like fun. that, which, which I'm quite fond of. So I kept looking into stuff like that. Um, over time, I did start to get a little bit more uh, interested in the competitive scene. Um, I didn't participate in competition of any sort myself. I didn't attend anything, but I did watch some tournaments. Um, but what motivated me to do that was Smash is definitely not where I got into competitive gaming. I got into interested in competitive gaming first because uh, I played a lot of Team Fortress 2 uh in middle school and high school i still play it a fair bit now but uh i would occasionally you know i'd have some like online friends who would be on like organized teams competing in like some leagues and they'd be like all right one of our guys is just like not showing up or he's sick or whatever uh they'd be like, all right well let's let's send a message to punk see what he's up to 
and then I would swap in. I'd usually, uh, I think two or three times that I played like in a serious environment, I was playing Medic or Pyro. One of those I played twice, the other one I played once. I don't remember which was which. But that was how I kind of got more into the competitive stuff. And then from that point, after having those experiences, I was like, okay, I'm wondering what like competitive formats offer to uh, other games. So I went back to Smash. Um, and that made sense to me uh, because it's wild to me that a lot of people who are into Smash now uh, don't like have a grasp of this because to me it's like the first thing I think of still. But there was a point in time where if you told someone you were really into Smash Bros, when they asked you like as like you just like enjoy the game or do you like compete and go to tournaments and stuff. If they asked you if you went to tournaments, that meant they were asking if you played PM. Because there genuinely was a period of Smash history where PM was the competitive game and the other ones just had their own dedicated player bases. Maybe they competed. But the one that had the largest entrance numbers at big Smash events would always be PM. Um, so I, I kind of started looking into the competitive aspects of that game more. Um, although I think that probably started me rewatching the Aetherverse Sanicdorf video a few times, and then I was like, okay, maybe I'll watch some other sets. Um, maybe. Maybe. So it wasn't until then that I started to get interested in it, and even then, I didn't attend my first... I've only attended one in-person tournament to this day, and that was last summer. Um, I went to... Uh, when I'm I'm, not, I'm at school right now, but when I'm back home, my closest local is uh, New Game Plus at the Balance Patch Cafe in Boston, which is the local that uh, the Alston Melee guys uh, help run, and they attend that one. So it was pretty cool. as some familiar faces there from listening to their podcast, seeing videos and stuff like that. Um, up until that point, I hadn't been able to attend any sort of uh, event like that. Because uh, I, I, I think I, I, yeah, I definitely did talk about it a few weeks before going to that event. Uh, I was on Radio Melee for the first time. I was talking about accessibility issues with competitive Smash. Um, one of the big things for me is that uh, CRTs, the noises that they make, if there's more than like two or three CRTs in a room, I can't actually go in there. Because it just like does a number on me. Like I, I can't deal with the overlapping like whining and humming from the machines. So that was a, definitely a big obstacle for going to anything Smash related. Because using monitors, well, had I been more into Smash Four, I could have done it. Because they they use gaming monitors. Because the Wii U native HDMI output. But I wasn't that into Smash Four. I like playing it at home, but there definitely wasn't one I was interested in playing competitively. Um, so that was kind of an obstacle. Um, there was some other health obstacles that I had that barred me from entering any sort of competitive environment, even if I really wanted to until that point, because, uh, I was in a pretty, I was honestly like a high point for my health and it's, it's gotten better. It's gotten even better since then. But, uh, that local at Balance Patch Cafe does use HDMI converters and uh, lag reduction codes and gaming monitors. So it, it was really cool to be able to finally go to one of those. 
I'm not sure how frequently I plan on attending tournaments going forward. I've participated in some net play ones since then. But it definitely was a good experience. I just, I know I don't really have too much of a competitive fire in me. Like, the most fun I had when I went there was just playing, like, friendlies with people. And, like, I I did, like, a, I was playing Mewtwo against somebody, and I did a down throw, and then I tech chase with Mewtwo's down special to, like, do, like, the stun effect on them. I think uh, I think it was Patty from Alston Melee. He was like, it was either I either did it to him or he was sitting right next to me, and he goes, "I've never seen that in my life," and that was the highlight of my night. So that's what I'm always trying to do. I'm always just trying to do some like weird stuff that people just aren't familiar with. And there is like ways to execute stuff like that in competitive environments, but it's like as an aside. But that's kind of where my primary focus is. So. It's a little bit difficult to find the motivation to go to tournaments, but it's something I want to do more at some point. If you have one good experience, it does lend to you wanting to do it again. So even if you're not going to every single weekly, maybe you're just there for at least a few times over the summer. And it seems to me that you're happy enough with the way that you experience Melee now, but I don't want to derail too much. You said you have six bullet points I want to make sure we get to all of them. So what is next? Sure, I've got... I guess there's three more that I haven't really covered. This one, I, I could definitely... It uh, transitions well from the last point. And that's that... Um, I feel like the times that I've had people like recognize my name in a Twitch chat or something, it was either they saw me on Radio Melee... Or they saw me in some sort of um, like thread of or like a video where people like submitted their own like clips that they got from playing the game, um, and I, it's something that I'm elated to have any sort of recognition for that sort of stuff because I guess I accidentally skipped this earlier, but the thing that got me way more into melee, I guess it would be like five, a little bit less than five years ago maybe a little bit less than four years ago, uh, to get into Melee specifically, was I saw PGH Carol's video, No L's in Art. That montage where he just does some of the dumbest combos ever, often resulting in him losing a stock before his opponent. But he was totally content to just farm for these clips over and over and over again. Um, phenomenal video. That that was one of the, the turning points. That video came out in 2017. Uh, something else that I believe started in 2017, if not 2016, was the Bad Melee podcast. I found that like really quickly after it came out because um, I was looking for this custom ISO of Melee that a friend told me about, and um, YouTube suggested the channel. Like I searched for it. Um, I don't know. What kind of language am I allowed to use on this podcast? Oh, all kinds of fucking language, you know? All right, sick. The ISO was called shittymelee.iso, <laughs> which, looking back, is not very amusing. A lot of it's just, like, really low-effort stuff. Like, um, like the hand that, like, you move around to select characters, it's, like, holding a blunt and stuff like that. That's not low-effort. That's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really good, but, like... 
the humor doesn't get any deeper than that at any point is like the shortcoming of it it's just a bunch of stuff like that but anyway i was 16 or 17 so like that was all i really needed um and i was getting into texture modding so i'm looking for the shitty melee iso and i get suggested the youtube channel bad melee and it's just this picture of donkey kong taunting I'm like well i gotta know what this is and then i just listened to the like first episode of the podcast and i was like this is perfect because uh at the time i still had far too many health obstacles to be able to attend tournaments and i kind of got a glimpse of that experience of like what that environment was and a bunch of silly stuff that was going on and also uh i'm trying to remember everyone who was on the show at the beginning i want to say dawson griffin anthony that sounds right so yeah is sad contest slime and then I actually don't remember the tag of that last guy. I just remember, I'm pretty sure his name is Griffin, and he really liked to talk about Dr. Mario's upbeat cancel. It was it was very strange fixation of his, but I respected it all the same. They all had at least some stories about uh, PM as well. So I, I felt like pretty good about throwing myself into that, and I didn't feel like it was too much of a environment that was elitist about one game or another. So I thought that was great. Um, but anyway, so that's that's another thing around 2017. And then there was also the reeds. Scar and Toph, uh, they would go on Anther's Ladder, and they'd sometimes have a guest, and they'd play just ranked games all like for a few hours, and then they'd segment it into episodes, and they would just try to like climb the climb the ranks on the the who's the name is spencer is that the name of the producer for that show i think it is he was like the cameraman it was his smash ladder account that they were all playing on which is totally against the rules which is really funny and they were just trying to get it as high a rank as possible so yeah bad melee the reeds uh both of those really got me in and then i saw no l's in art that montage was absolutely phenomenal um so that's how i started to get into the game was just the weird stories, the highlights, and then just absolutely just absurd and irresponsible use of the mechanics that uh, are offered by the likes of uh, PGH Carol. So I was like, okay, there's totally some stuff in this game that I can I can milk and just do some wild shit, which I loved because I mentioned before I played a lot of Team Fortress 2. That game runs on the Source engine, which is a derivative of Quake. And you can do all sorts of crazy air movement in the Source Engine games. I love them so much. Uh, Team Fortress 2, Counter-Strike Global Offensive are by far my most played games on Steam. And I don't think that will ever change. Uh, it's like 2,000 and 3,000 hours respectively in those games. So much time just moving. Um, and so... With that, like, very deeply established as my interest, even since I mentioned earlier when I was a kid, I was picking up on the mechanical differences in the Smash games. Like, I, I would notice how movement felt in a game before I would notice how many characters were on the character select screen. Um, so I learned more about that. I get my friends to play it with me. Like, I have, like, Melee on Dolphin on my laptop when it was, like, pretty rough. It was like a, this is post Smash Four, so GameCube adapters do exist. 
so that's good. But the input lag was still rough. My laptop wasn't good. Diet Melee and Crystal Melee do not exist yet. Uh, it's a kind of a rough experience, but like I'm whipping that out like in the library when there's pep rallies that we don't want to go to. That's where we are. We're I'm making my friends play melee with me in the library, um, and then sometimes like during like study hall or like lunch, if I can get away with it, that's what I'd be doing. At one point, my laptop wasn't working, so I bought like a three dollar like usb like composite capture card and a usb adapter to plug into this old android tablet to treat it like a camera input and i brought my gamecube to school so i could just have this like old android tablet resting against my the gamecube so i could make my friends play melee with me during study hall and it wasn't competitive uh they, we would be turning items on we'd be going to dumb stages and I was moving faster and faster every time because I'd be at home just trying to figure out how what else can I do to make this character move differently and that's definitely informed the way that I play the game now it's informed the way I play any video game um like despite how many hours I have in uh Counter-Strike my rank is in the trenches because I will spend an entire match with my friends jumping around corners and just trying to like throw things at people to trick them into thinking they're flashbangs i'll just like see if i can run past people without shooting at them and still plant the bomb just all sorts of stuff that you're not supposed to be doing in the video game is what i'm going to be doing in the video game so that's where i'm getting the recognition first and foremost uh in like on twitter and in discord service people saying i saw you do some like disgusting shit with like yoshi's down air like can you explain this to me i'm like no i can't explain it but i could try to do it again and then i'll like play a session with someone and they'll be like kind of disappointed in my performance but there'll be one or two things that i'll do they're just like that's weird i've never seen that before i pray to god that i don't have to deal with a good player pulling those same tricks on me anytime <laughs> soon um which my favorite thing to hear is just people just not being familiar with what I'm doing or just like not in such a way that they are unprepared to deal with it, but in such a way that they want to figure out what the hell is going on. Because I want to just put all the effort that I can into cracking these games open. There's so much stuff that people just don't use. Like the game like Melee has been out for over 20 years. There's way more melee than most people have seen. Um, even within like the context of like four stocks, eight minutes with within the six stages that we're allowed to play on as we slowly gun down every moving part that they have. Um, there's still plenty of stuff. But even so, I I would be finding stuff within that context a lot faster if it wasn't for the fact that Whenever uh, I'm labbing something, it's probably me labbing like wall tech options off the like cannon on jungle japes. Like I figured out uh, last week, you can vary uh, if you get a really low angle on pressing the A button on the cannon on jungle japes. If you wall tech off the rock as Yoshi, you can like throw an egg right before you grab the ledge of the main platform. You could it's like a really subversive return to the stage with a hitbox protecting you 
And that will never matter unless I f actually find like a Rissy's Jungle Jam person, uh, in person tournament. And that's if I attend a tournament to begin with. But that is one that I would be more motivated to attend. But yeah, I'm just finding all sorts of weird shit, clipping it, putting it on Twitter, sending it to people, putting it in videos. And it it feels really good to get the recognition for that, not just as like elevating like the numbers that I'm seeing or anything like that. It just feels really good to just show people things that they haven't seen that are in melee, because the game's phenomenal, and I want people to see as much of the game as they can. When you saw all of the casual play at Smash Summit 12 and Ginger is down throwing somebody <laughs> and getting all of the Clefairy damage and then a bomb explodes on the light shield. And I think it was against Pipsqueak. Poor Pipsqueak. Yeah, yeah it was against Pipsqueak. So yeah. you get to see all that. And basically, I'm just picturing you now after that clip happens just being like, I was go. so I was so happy because the way he froze when he down threw, that's happened to me before, and I've tried to recreate it, and I failed. <laughs> <laughs> so I was so and everyone's like, "Oh, I've never seen that before. What was that? No one knew what happened." I'm like, "I've seen that before, and I still don't know what happened." But now I have a little bit more information to work with to figure out like why this happens because. Well, I have recreated it, but not consistently, because I found that it the the damage at which the character throwing takes damage is always enough to perfectly freeze the throwing animation. And I'm not sure if it has to do with when you're like which part of the animation you're in, like the weight of the character you're throwing, if like you throw staled, if it has to do with SDI or port priority or something gross like that i don't know yet <laughs> and so seeing seeing that sort of thing happen in front of a larger audience it's a little bit frustrating that i can't just like hog some like spotlight and say no i've seen that yeah no i'm not as surprised as everybody else because <laughs> it's like but it is still really cool to just see more people bear witness to like because people talk about, like, the dark underbelly of, like, mechanics in Melee. And they're talking about, like, ECBs and, like, getting, like, more Golint out of your ledge dash and stuff. When people really see the dark underbelly, when your down throw animation freezes because of a Pokemon on screen, people get scared. That's the shit that I love so much. So then, all these big tournaments that are happening, like Genesis, like Pound, like double down and nobody's throwing the casual side tournament which is a real shame and also probably not doing doubles as much justice as they ought to be doing either yeah. and that's also a shame yeah, when doubles will is be... one of the few other things in in my in my uh things that i want to talk about we'll get to doubles, doubles we'll get to doubles in just a second then because we have a great double set to talk about but well and whatever else you want to add however this has to be said how badly do you want to see another casual tournament setting where top players are just getting mowed down by Pokemon on 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 Brinstar depths or whatever the case may be? I mean, that's why I miss Mango X Tuesdays. Those were so much fun. Oh yeah, no, the I when when Mango and X stopped doing the weekly Ironmans, I like kind of just stopped watching Twitch. 
like that that was i'm not gonna lie that was what got me to open twitch most of the time um it's so much i i think uh firepuff 12 recently saw that i had like no points in like mango's stream he's like oh did you like really just like double down on like a really bad bet i'm like yeah that's it <laughs> no i just i just don't i just don't watch i've been getting like more into them lately oh that actually oh i'm gonna write something down real quick before i forget it okay it's a thing about stuff that i do watch on twitch regarding melee that i'll i'll get to later because that's a really funny topic but yeah i wasn't watching twitch for a while just because they weren't doing the iron man so like i didn't get to see someone just like moving around the really like strangely shaped platforms of on it while like they're trying to deal with the cars and people will talk about how you know horrible stages like on it are because there's the walls that you can get infinitely locked in by fox's shine it's like that's definitely not infinite because if you stay there a car will do something about it real mm. soon there there's i just love the moving parts on stages i love the items i just i love it when the game is a mess and that's something I don't get to see enough. It's something that nobody gets to see enough. And I think part of the reason that people avoid that sort of stuff isn't just for like the competitive integrity of the game. I do think some of it has to do with knowing that it feels good in some sense to not play the game in how we think we're supposed to. Because the people who, or the company behind the production of the game, their vision for what we're supposed to do has not always been very kind to our interests. And by that, I mean it's been real awful to us. They've shut us down so many times. They've stopped us from making things. And it's been very clear, especially in the more recent years, uh, it's been very clear to more people that it's not about money. Uh, Nintendo does have a very strict and over-sanitized view of how media should be consumed. It is much more about control and presentation and reputation than it is about money for them. Because they could push things one way or another and get it. They could milk so much cash out of any like dumb decision that they want to make. Um, and I, it does feel good to see that people kind of coming around to that but um point is that is one of the reasons that i think people avoid that sort of stuff with like the items and the fun stages is because they think of that as like that's what nintendo wanted us to do and nintendo hasn't let us do what we want to do we're gonna push it as far as we can the other way we're gonna make things the most competitively oriented that we can um, which that is a sentiment that I understand, even if I don't agree with it, uh, at least not entirely. But uh, it's not completely unreasonable, and I do get it, and I think it does help strengthen the identity that uh, some people have as melee players. Is um, you know, there's plenty of Nintendo fan games that just get obliterated. So you got to kind of do what you can within the limits of like what will and will not get Nintendo on your radar. 
to make your Nintendo fan game. And if that means, you know, within the functions that the game gives you, not picking uh, the vast majority of the stages, not turning on the items, and just kind of with the settings that are already in the game, rebuilding it from the ground up, even independent of things like UCF and stage freezing, there, there is some power that the game gives you, and I understand wanting to use that. Um, and then that kind of more ethereal concept out of the way, people do want things to just be a test of skill and skill alone. And, you know, there's always going to be some people uh, half-jokingly, entirely jokingly, or maybe more seriously saying something like, well, if you put items in there, then you know it's not completely rehearsed, and maybe there's more adaptation going on. Um, I don't care about that angle, because the competition itself isn't really what interests me personally. Um, I just like seeing weird shit happen, and uh, the circumstances under which weird shit happens, it still does happen within the competitive rule set of Melee, otherwise I wouldn't really care about the game much at all at this point. It still happens plenty. Um, but it is, it is kind of tough for people like me, and I've met a few more people who do share that kind of interest in Smash, and still, like, it's, it's more casual, it's not exactly casual, um, it is hardcore, but it's not competitive, if that makes sense. Really wanted to, like, tear apart the game and getting really into it, but not necessarily in a sense of, like, you know, what's the set count? How far are you in the tournament? Um, I can make a comparison. It's like Wang Shitong, he who knows 10,000 things from Avatar, but not actually wanting to use it for anything other than just to know and to be all like, this is awesome. Right, yeah. Just kind of doing everything you can to just broaden your understanding and appreciation of anything you can. In this case, specifically uh, Melee, just trying to broaden that as much as you can. Um, that's why for a long time, and I, it still definitely holds up now, uh, when I am watching tournaments, my favorite players are going to be the ones who do weird shit. Um, it's going to, like, I'm huge fan of Axe, because he loves digging deep into the game, figuring out whatever he can and then bringing that into the tournament. Um, and he kind of develops his, like, tech skill and his muscle memory and his understanding of the game in, like, the broadest sense in all sorts of different environments, usually with his, uh, with his friends with items on and dumb stages or with weird stipulations, like, uh, or maybe their objective isn't necessarily to hit each other until they die, but to hit each other so they can make it all the way around Battlefield without touching the ground. Just like using Firefox to hit each other over and over again. That sort of stuff I absolutely love. It's awesome. And then, yeah, like I, seeing those stream highlights is just everything that I want. And then there's other players like None. I love None so much because um, he definitely got me to care more about the competitive environment of Melee just because. Uh, he makes the competitive environment a lot weirder. Uh, he has some crazy options that he picks. His general approach to dealing with situations is he kind of avoids dealing with the 
uh, with the character, and he deals more with the person that he's uh, playing against. Uh, he is just like, these are the sorts of things that you've been doing. He develops a very like strong understanding of the patterns the other person will engage in. And then instead of just like covering whatever it is that that person's picking, he'll cover like the three best or most likely options they'll do. He'll just run across, he'll just put moving hitboxes across this strand of things. And the people who don't know better, it looks like he's gambling the whole time. Because he's just putting out such strange looking choices. But it's, if you like really watch back like the patterns within the sets that Nun's playing, he puts so much thought into it. It's It's crazy. It's... Not something I'm going to pretend that I'm good enough at the game or know enough about the game to understand, but I do know enough, uh, and I think I'm good enough at the game to appreciate it. Um, which, you know, I think that that's a really important thing to do as a spectator, uh, just to improve your spectating experience, is to figure out how much of it are you understanding. What can you do to get more out of the viewing experience, and then. Uh, another player who I absolutely love, because I love weird shit, it's Amsa and <laughs> Yoshi. Oh, I started playing, like, I finally, like, really committed to, like, spending more time playing Yoshi, like, a year ago. And I, I've started caring about Melee way more. Just because, um, I, I had to, like, really assess, like, more, like, become more acutely aware of what I wanted out of Melee and why I played it. And I was like, I still haven't been to a tournament. I know when I go to a tournament, like, I will care just, like, kind of primarily to some extent, but I'm not going to be as invested in my tournament performance as the vast majority of the people in attendance. I just like finding out what different button combinations do to my character. And uh, I think Yoshi's got some of the weirdest shit that will happen if you just start poking different buttons on the GameCube controller. Um, and then I ended up messing around with Mewtwo as well. Uh, I'd say Mewtwo is def not quite to the extent as Yoshi, but Mewtwo is definitely one of the weirder characters in Melee. Um, I've gotten so much out of just messing with Mewtwo and learning more about how that character works. And it's been a lot of fun. And uh, with kind of those being more aware of the things that I appreciate about Melee, it's been easier for me to get invested in traditional tournaments because um, when I was watching Summit 12 and it looked like Amso was genuinely the favorite to win the whole thing, he, he was just playing phenomenally. Um, he was working so hard. He just changing things. Like he had he had beat Mango before, but not like that. He had beat S Fat before, but not like that. Hungry Box. He had beat Hungry Box before, but not like that. Nobody has beaten Hungry Box like that in like 10 years. He had like I'm trying to remember like what the stats were after the game. It was something like 4.5 openings per kill. So like one in four times that Amsa hit Hungry Box, it would end up taking a stock. That's absurd against Jigglypuff. Um, 
that just doesn't happen. And uh, another thing that happened that people just, I haven't heard people talking about this enough, and it angers me. Before Summit 12, uh, Final Destination, from, from all the sets that I could find that I could watch, and all like the Smash GG catalogs and all the Liquipedia entries, Final Destination was the only stage that Amsa had never beat Hungrybox on. Ever. He had beat Hungrybox in like best of five sets, but he had never taken a game on Final Destination. He did that twice consecutively, and he V3-0'd Hungrybox, and that had never happened. And so just something new happening, I love. Um, so like my favorite tournaments to ever happen... I really liked, uh, I'll, I'll save that one for last because it's a good transition to doubles. Uh, Kings of Cali, well, forget which number it was, but I know that seeing Amsa beat me to King at that Kings of Cali tournament, uh, absurd. Old set, um, and who was it? It was. Scar and Lovage on commentary, I think. Yeah, and they just like were trying to figure out how Yoshi worked as they were watching it. He was like, those were, you know, those are the two people in the venue that they picked to put on like the microphone setup so that they can tell everyone at home what's going on. And they don't know what's going on. And there was this one kill confirm that Amsa got on Mewtwo King's Fox on Pokemon Stadium. It was forward air into down b from yoshi so yoshi's down b a lot of people get lost in which special moves are which for yoshi which is understandable because three of them involve eggs um but yoshi's down b is the one that doesn't involve the egg where he just kind of does a ground pound sort of thing so yeah Mewtwo bowser King, sudden drop right yeah so Mewtwo King sitting at about 80 percent and Amsa hits him with Yoshi's forward air, where he just kind of like smacks him with his head and pops him up in the air. And then he does Yoshi's down B and it kills Fox off the top. And everyone's like, Yoshi just killed Fox off the top on Pokemon's. It's on Pokemon Stadium, which is a lower ceiling, but it's still Fox dying off the top at 80%. And it's not from like something crazy like a bomb, from like a Peach pulling a bomb or like a. You know, a shield break and a fully charged fox up smash. It's not like it's a doubles combo where there's like a falcon stomps the fox and then another fox comes and up airs him. No, this is Yoshi doing forward air into down B, and it very cleanly combos and very cleanly kills fox off the top, starting at 80%. And nobody has seen this before. They're all losing their minds. And Amso wins this set. This is one of his breakout performances. Um, I love that so much. One of my favorite tournaments. Another tournament I absolutely love. I'm really bad with numbers because I remember specific sets and I don't remember the entirety of tournaments. Um, I want to say Summit 6 was the first time that Omsa beat Hungrybox. I know it was a, I know he's definitely beaten him at Summits before. Yeah, I want to say it was Summit 6, because I recently had someone point out to me that um, every time that Amsa has beat Hungrybox was at an even-numbered Summit, which is really funny. Um, but I'm pretty sure that set took 45 minutes. It was really funny. And uh, watching 
Hungry Box, who's so used to forcing people to play an entirely different video game because they're fighting Jigglypuff and people aren't familiar with fighting Jigglypuff. And then suddenly, not only is it's not like how Hungry Box makes people play melee differently. This is a Yoshi player grabbing the edge over and over again and throwing eggs. And Hungrybox isn't playing melee anymore, he's playing a bullet hell game, where he has to guide his character around to not get hit by these projectiles. And Omsa, you know, it takes forever, but Omsa wins this set. And it's absurd. Another tournament I absolutely love. Summit 8. Axes run at Summit 8. Phenomenal. Um, I love that tournament uh, all the more, because the Grand Finals, it's not... Amsa maybe having a very rare, phenomenal performance, maybe with a counterpick or something against Hungrybox in Grand Finals. It's not him getting one of his wins out on Mango. It's not him, uh, you know, proving, uh, you know, how good he is against Marth, just to cement that into everyone's head. It's him beating Wizzy, and if you said that... Wizzy was in Grand Finals at Smash Summit, you'd be like, if you, you heard someone say it, would be like, wow, okay, that's kind of surprising. Wizzy did really well this time. If you hear someone say that Axe is at Grand Finals at uh, Smash Summit, it's like, wow, that's kind of surprising. Axe did really well this time. And you would think that maybe earlier in the tournament, the reason that they had gotten so far is because there was some sort of upset. So maybe Axe got that far because he didn't play against a Mango or Armada or Leffen. He played against Wizrobe, maybe. Or maybe you'd think that that happened early in the tournament because Wizrobe played against Axe instead of playing against Mango or Armada or Leffen or Me Too King or Hungrybox. But no, those two, they dealt with Mango and they dealt with uh, Leffen like separately. And then they made it to the grand finals. And that's huge to me. That makes it so much more important in my eyes as a tournament. Smash and Splash 5. I love that tournament too. Uh, Wizzy's pop-off at Smash and Splash 5 after beating Hungrybox. That might be my favorite pop-off of all time. I know, I, I know it's like people like that one and they think it's funny. It's not often regarded to be like one of people's favorites. I think it's like the best. You're um, not the first person to mention it on the podcast, so I'm sorry. It 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 has a little niche crowd for sure. It definitely has its crowd. Um, it's not the most popular one, but there are people who appreciate it. Um, oh, another contender for my favorite pop-off, and this is definitely a bias thing, but um, I, th I think this was the one from Smash Summit 6 where Amsa beat H-Box. The, the pop-off is just Amsa with the most visceral scream. He just screams, yes. And it's so loud, and everyone's just silent for a moment, and it, like, startled H-Box. It's 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 really good. It's so direct and simple, but I love that one. Um, so those tournaments, I absolutely love them. Uh, so after Amsa got eliminated at Summit 12, or after he lost to Cody, actually, was before he got eliminated. Yeah, that was winner's I, uh, semis or winner's finals. I want to yes, say winner's semis. Same as semis. Because uh, yeah. Amsa got fifth at that tournament. Oh, and also, Amsa getting ninth at Summit 11 is still absurd. He exclusively played against the finalists, and then he got ninth. He game five. He went game five with them all. But anyway, um, 
he lost to Cody. And at this point, I was like, Oms is out of the tournament because he's going against Wizrope. His record against Wizrope, it's like one and seven. I knew it wasn't a super great chance of him making it. Um, but at the same time, Amsa had made history in beating HBox twice on uh, on Final Destination. So I knew that, like, this wasn't just Amsa, which is already a terrifying player. This is Amsa who 3-0'd HBox in 10 minutes. Or probably, okay, in-game time, way faster than 10 minutes. The, yep. VOD on, the VOD on YouTube is like 10 minutes, 50 seconds. Yes. Really, really funny thing about that video, by the way. They still haven't fixed it last I checked, like, yesterday. The thumbnail misspells Hungrybox's name. It says Humbrybox, which I, I, I hope they never fix that. It's so funny. Um, anyway, at this point, I figured, all right, Amsa's probably out. And I was correct. He, he did lose to Wizrope. So I was like pissed. There was some copy pasta. I think turned down for Walt started it like because a chant in the Twitch chat of when he lost to Cody, he was like stupid lame fox. I want my Yoshi, and I felt that very genuinely. I was just <laughs> pissed. I was like, like I liked Cody, but I was like, no, I I hate this guy right now. He he, the Amsa was supposed to win this, and it was gonna be like Amsa winning a big tournament like in the West. That hasn't happened yet. It needs to happen. That's why I care about this game is when new things happen. But after Dust had settled a little bit, I was like, well, Cody hasn't won a giant tournament either. He won Riptide, um, which I think is, to me, I very comfortably count that as a major. Some people didn't. Um, one reason or another. Not even a major? Like a super major, I can see the argument for saying yeah, it's okay. not. But... It's a, so people who don't necessarily use the word super major, if they draw the line at major, if that's it for them, because some people have different like categorizations, which is fine. Uh, they'd say that that's more like a regional. That's just a stacked tournament, but it's not quite a major. Or if they use the word super major, they'd say, that's a major, it's not quite a super major. Fair enough. Uh, to me, I think it was huge tournament you had plop there and you had hungry box there um that's two of the top 10 i think two of the top 10 to me that's like good enough um but this at summit 12 it's like in his path he had to deal with mango and zan so once i was like over it i'm like well you already beat amsa so you you better fucking make the most of it or else i'm gonna be really upset with you cody and he made the absolute most of it he won the whole thing it was phenomenal so it was the first win for cody that was like that and it really did change the competitive landscape so i would very comfortably say that Summit 12 is among my favorite tournaments, um, despite how much that AMSA elimination hurt, because he was on track to win the whole thing. I, I very firmly believe, and other people who were there, like not just like other people who are closer to me in the peanut gallery, but real Summit attendants, were like, yeah, AMSA just 
he like I would not be shocked if Amsa takes this whole thing. It was IBDW. I think it was on Friday. They might have played a pool set or IBDW might have just been watching, but it's like yeah, Amsa is playing so well so far this weekend. He's gonna he's gonna go really far in bracket. Yeah. And then you beat him anyway, Cody. <sighs> yeah, that was that was fucked up. That was but, messed up. Uh, Cody was one of the people. I think Zane said that too. I think I heard Leffen say something about yeah, Amsa might actually like take this, which is absurd to hear Leffen say that because um, Lef Leffen, while he always has had some weird takes about matchups he's always been pretty um you know he's pretty negative about fox matchups about how good or bad they are for fox and then when people say oh yoshi has terrible matchups so she's like well they're really not that bad um he also has described uh fox mewtwo on fd as 60 40 uh in fox's favor which i think it's really funny that he thinks that's as bad as fox marth um but I mean, he's better at me too than I am, so I have to take his word for it to some extent. But anyway, hearing all those people say that, I'm like, yeah, Amsa will win this. Like, this is the path for Amsa to win this tournament. Um, and then he didn't, and it hurt a lot. But the Cody win, it 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 helped. It helped me get through it because it was a phenomenal win, and I loved that tournament. Then one other tournament that I absolutely love that I can think of off the top of my head is uh I'm trying to remember the exact name of it because it, it's one of those European tournaments where you like the name sounds like really extravagant extravagant and cool and you know for sure that whoever came up with the name of the tournament English is not their first language it was like Phoenix Blue Rising Two or something like that. Uh, I love that tournament because um, Amsa and Nebi teamed and they won doubles. So a double Yoshi team. And it wasn't like a terribly small tournament. It was uh, like Kristen from Norway was there. You got Nikki from Germany. Both of those like phenomenal players. Um, Nikki's a friend of the show. Shout outs. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I've only had very brief interactions uh, like on Twitter with Nikki, but he, he seems like a wonderful individual for sure. Um, yes, yeah, so the, the doubles, like the pool of doubles players at that tournament, it was pretty strong. And as far as I know, this is the first and only time that Nebi and Amsa teamed and then they won with double Yoshi, which I absolutely loved uh, seeing that happen. But that's a perfect segue into doubles you said you had something i think you wanted to kick it off with talking about a specific double set pew fat we... versus run riot and tempo at king of the cube for genesis yeah that that was so fun to watch um going into it I, I i was super excited because i heard some people talking about like genuinely not knowing who was going to win which I was like, okay, well, you don't pay that much attention to doubles. It's going to be PewFat. Like, people who know enough about doubles, they know that PewFat, like, that's the winning team. However, the reason that this is interesting to watch isn't because 
oh, we get to see people who are good at the game stomp on people who are bad at the game, because sometimes that is funny to see just, like, what happens, like, in an environment where there's that much of a skill gap. Yeah, pros That's, versus Joes. Yeah, that that is exactly that sort of thing. Um, but that's not really what we were watching. We were, we were watching is a team of two very new players versus a team of very experienced, at this point, retired doubles players. Um, and we were watching the new players deal with things that they hadn't dealt with before and seeing how well they could deal uh, with just trying to hold stage position and being able to figure out what positions are and are not important. Because that's one of the strengths of PewFat is, uh, you know, there's this uh, well-understood concept that you have to know, like, what the rules of, like, something are, like, of, like, any sort of, like, guidance or, like, maybe some art form, you or, like, writing, like, screenplays. You have to know what the rules of something are very well before you break them. Once you know them well enough to break them, you can really change things and do things better than you ever could before. And that is one of the things about dealing with fighting against PewFat, is because a lot of the rules of doubles, they kind of came up with them. They really did have like a chemistry and like a sort of like the way that they hint at each other and the way they cover things to like kind of guide each other into different spots. Kind of like they really did just like define how doubles works as a competitive format like that. And so these are two people that have absolutely no way of being prepared for it. I think something that Run Riot said that I thought was really funny is um, QFAT has probably played against Fox Chic teams more than we have ever played Melee, which is probably true that they have spent more time playing doubles against that specific team composition than Tempo and Run Riot have spent playing Melee in total. And even still, that there wasn't a single game in that set where it looked like it was impossible for Tempo and Run Riot to win. The whole time, they were hanging on, and they were making progress. They were figuring things out. They were always behind. Um, I think there was only one game where they ever had a lead for a significant amount of time, and then there was still a comeback. But it was, it was new, and, you know... As I said before, when new shit happens, that's when I'm paying attention. Um, and I was just so enamored with like what was on display. Um, and it did kind of bother me that some people were going into it just like, oh, this is about who's going to win. This is a grudge match. This is them proving that they're still good and that no one can ever like touch where they are. It's like, no, it's not like that. This is four people who love doubles. And they're going to like show each other things about doubles that they haven't figured out yet. Um, kind of asymmetric in that aspect. There was definitely some stuff that Tempo and uh, Run Riot were doing that caught PewFat off guard. However, PewFat, the team that they are, they adapted to and solved problems a lot faster. Um, phenomenal to watch. I absolutely loved it. I want to see more stuff like that. Um, I was definitely, uh, among the people who were, were upset when they found out, okay, there's no doubles at Summit 12. That hurt. Um, I was more upset about that before I realized that Axe wasn't going to be there. 
because the reason that I care about doubles, well, not the only reason, but one of the reasons that I care about doubles at Summit is because that's a time when we get to see uh, Egg Static. That's Amsa and Axe playing together. Phenomenal team composition. They cover the absolute, like, strangest things. Um, like, those two characters do work very well together. Character cover things that the other character cannot deal with. Um, Pikachu has a really hard time dealing with Crouch Cancel and with characters that are floating around in the air. So you're going to see, like, you know, a, a Peach. Peach is a great example of a character that can really cause problems for Pikachu, and in different ways can cause problems for Yoshi, but for very different reasons. Uh, Crouch Cancel Down Smash, like, on any of Pikachu's approaches, that will happen. And Thunder Jolt's too slow to be able to just rack up damage with Projectile against Peach. So... And also, Peach can, yeah, once Peach is out of that crouch cancel percent, Peach can just float, and then Pikachu has a much harder time getting anything started, even still. Yoshi can just throw eggs that do 10 damage while Pikachu's running around Peach. Um, and if Peach is just holding crouch cancel, okay, Opsa will come in with Yoshi's forward air and do 17 damage, and then maybe that'll go into a down tilt. Or maybe the Pikachu will come in and grab. It's not going to be just a crouch cancel down smash from the Peach. There's going to be things that you just cannot get away with because of how strange those two characters are. And uh, beyond just like what those characters do, I think that Amsa and Axe make phenomenal teammates. Um, I absolutely love watching them play together. Uh, uh, that's one of the things I'm very excited about i actually asked omsa this at one point if he uh when he once he moves to canada if he plans on entering when he goes you know he's able to have more like north american tournaments within his reach does he plan on playing more doubles with axe and he said yeah that's something i definitely want to do i like fun doubles so i'm so happy to hear that as um my infatuation with doubles is partially because it is a less developed format. Um, I like when new shit happens. I like when weird shit happens. I like when there's some like mess and some chaos in the game and like trying to make sense of it and trying to put something together. Doubles perfectly captures that. Um, the other thing that I really like about it, and this is more than likely related to the point that I just put out, but whenever I am playing any sort of video game, I do significantly better in team formats. Uh, I, last year, I was in an apartment. Uh, one of my roommates had a PlayStation 4, and he had a Call of Duty game for it. And so with maybe at most 10 hours of experience of playing shooter games with a controller, and with about three hours of, of that being in the Call of Duty games, I got really into just playing it on his PS4. It was really tough for me going from like Counter-Strike and Quake with a mouse and keyboard where I could whip around and do all sorts of stuff. But something that I did pick up on when I was even, this is true in any game that I play, and it was still true when I was super uncomfortable trying to play Call of Duty with the PlayStation controller, is that my performance was significantly better in a team environment. 
and not just like my kill to death ratio that was higher but it's not like i was just making the most out of like my teammates running in front of someone and then i like bait them i i genuinely did find myself winning far more frequently like than i should than i would have expected and not just as a matter of like in teams it's like a 50 50 but in free for all it's like a one in ten that you win beyond that it, it was statistically it was like I was winning like maybe 90% of the games that I played uh, in like team deathmatch formats because I just was so much more comfortable at dealing with the information in front of me when I'm kind of responding to and building situations around having teammates. And I found that to absolutely be the case with Melee ever since uh, doubles got added to Slippy. I was so excited that I'd finally get to do that because um, before Slippy came out, I had played melee with no more than melee and pm i had played with no more than 10 unique people my whole life in like the five or six years that i'd already dumped into those games slippy blew that wide open for me uh, i was finally able to just play the game with just random people it was so much fun um and then when the doubles got added i found not only was i able to finally play this game mode i like learned and got better way faster even without a static teammate just matching with random people just put ec for east coast into the connect section and that's what i got and i i just love it so much uh it's a format that i love watching i love playing and it's one that i want to see more of um it's actually one of the things that i really like about the uh pm scene is that at their big tournaments, doubles always has a pretty high amount of entrance. Like the, the proportion of people who enter doubles and people who enter, enter singles. Um, I think since, probably since Brawl, it is... Yeah, Brawl's the only game I think to ever have uh, a more even focus between singles and doubles. And by the way, I didn't mention this earlier when I was talking about my interest in the different games. Brawl doubles. It's actually phenomenal. I think Brawl doubles um, is significantly better competitively than uh, Smash 4 or Ultimate doubles. Uh, despite the shortcomings of Brawl as a competitive game, I think in doubles format it does do better. But yeah, it's something I want to see more of you know if i'm not going to be able to get those like goofy items tournaments i want to see more doubles tournaments and ideally i'd get both of those things but um especially when you're playing online that can be kind of tough as um some people don't uh know what the reason for this is uh the competitive rule set does not allow you to play in fountain of dreams and doubles and that's not for balance reasons, that is because when there's four players on the screen, it will not run at full speed because of the reflections. So if you have four players and items, I'm sure the game starts slowing down, especially if you're trying to have people's old laptops running an emulator. Mm, like mine. Yep. Where's water bottle? So then, what else do we have on that bullet point list of yours? We've been at it for over an hour, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time there. Want to make sure we can get to everything, though, or we can cut it off here, whatever yeah. you want to do. Um, excuse me. I've got 
two more that I can go through quickly. Um, first of which, uh, one of the things that I am very invested in in Melee and in a lot of things, but I've found opportunities and like very clear gaps that I can provide some input in within uh, Melee and like competitive environments. And it was the thing that kind of got me out of my shell to start talking to more people in the Melee scene. Was the first time I went on Radio Melee was because I wanted to talk about accessibility hurdles with the game. Um, that's something that's always mattered a lot to me. Um, I think video games, just like as a form of media, it's phenomenal because it's there isn't anything like it. There's there's a give and a take. Like you have control to some extent of what is happening within the media that you are consuming. It's beyond like just how you interpret the events of a book or a movie or uh, what the lyrics of a song mean to you or what the presentation or the organization of a song means to you. That stuff's all really cool to me. I, I do have, you know, uh, some significant interest in that stuff. But video games have that in addition to it genuinely being different depending on what you choose to do. Like, it is objectively different. It is not a matter of interpretation. It It is changed. Um, however, not every person has the same tools to change what is going on in the video game. And not every... And th that does apply to other forms of media, but it applies to video games most strongly, where not everybody has the same tools to perceive or understand what is going on in front of them. And I think for much of the same reason that I want to kind of crack Melee open and show people more of the game, I want it to be possible to show more people the game. Um, so one of the things I brought up when I was on Radio Melee, uh, my personal experience with uh, not being able to deal with the noise of more than one CRT in a room, that, that matters a lot to me. Um, but beyond like personal stuff, well, again, this is it's, it's always much easier to think of things that apply to you with the subject matter than it is uh, to think of things that apply to anyone else um, that you can't relate to, which is why there's a lot of shortcomings with the accessibility of Melee. Uh, another thing that's an issue with displays is that the color presentation of some CRTs and some gaming monitors is terrible. Um, and someone who has difficulty with uh, telling colors apart or if their eyes don't have the, the same contrast levels as uh, what's perceived as normal, if there's some gap between what tools this person has and how things are designed to be presented, it's not going to uh, be the same for them if they can participate at all. That's something I really want people to look more into. I think uh, digital controllers are a huge step for that. I know that that is a messy subject matter. Um, there's a lot to that. But I think, um, again, you know, Axe, one of my favorite players, as I mentioned earlier, he said something on Twitter where, like, after he had looked into it and spent more time like experiencing playing against it and just kind of learning the nuances of it, he said, yeah, the box controllers are broken. They're overpowered, but don't ban them. <laughs> That's not the thing to do. Um, 
which I respect that a lot because with a subject matter like that, I think it is very easy to have some emotional investment in one side or the other, and then you will decide anything that goes against what I am pushing and what I think is the best is incorrect. And, you know, Axe has the maturity to not do that. He says, yeah, these there there are problems with these controllers. There are things that need to be addressed as it stands. There are things that are not fair about them. And whether or not that is true personally, I do not know. I have not looked into it. I don't think it's something that I will figure out. I just, I'm not as, I'm not a competitively minded person, and I'm not good enough at the game to be able to pretend that I know this sort of stuff, uh, like, without a doubt. However, I think it is very important <laughs> as someone like Axe, who does know this sort of thing, uh, if they are going to take the side that, yes, there are problems that need to be addressed with these controllers. Um, that doesn't mean they should be banned. It means the problems need to be addressed instead of circumventing them entirely. Uh, that's a huge deal to me, because there are people who cannot play Melee with a GameCube controller, and they cannot play any of the Smash games with a GameCube controller, and maybe the only thing that works for them is uh, one of the digital controllers that has you know that rectangle shape to it. And I think it's we need to do what we can to provide more things like that and then once they exist because the rectangle controllers do exist scarce as they may be to buy one um it's important that we make sure that they're they have some like value so that like that we can keep them in existence and that we don't let them just kind of slip away is like an afterthought for maybe some people need them and then you know, okay, we've addressed that problem. Now we can go back to ignoring it. So that does happen a lot, and I don't want that to happen with accessibility issues. It's it's tough to avoid, but it is going to happen, and we gotta do what we can to catch ourselves and make sure that we address the situation as best we can. And then that kind of broader concept. I talked a lot about the rectangle controllers, but it's a uh, it's a much greater issue than that for me personally. It's just any sort of accessibility stuff, like color reproduction and making sure rule sets and uh, equipment standards like allow more people to understand what's going on and that they can participate at a fair level. Uh, making sure the controllers are all, you know, offering things to people with different uh, obstacles or different tools that they have personally in order to you know, express whatever it is they want with their different digits or however input method they have for the game. And then final topic. This is something that I have introduced a few people to and they started doing it and they loved it. And I want more people to start doing this because I think it's fascinating. Again, this is, you know, I want to throw myself into the deep end of weird shit in Melee, put my, like, subject myself to as many situations where I have to like decode what's going on as I can. With the advent of online, like local tournaments, uh, with uh, how easy it is to play on Slippy and how easy it is to just have one person broadcasting with the different tools available or even just Discord screen share. Please, I want more people to try doing this. It is so fun. Go on Twitch at weird hours, go to the melee category, and if you're from, you know, if you're like from Ohio, 
try to find like a net play like tournament stream from like the Netherlands or something like that. And just a bunch of people going to their local, like, you know, from their own home that you know nothing about, just watch it. It's fascinating if you manage to get invested in like one player throughout the whole thing. If you watch it like a few weeks in a row, or maybe you just watch a few months of it once. It's phenomenal how much we can get, like how this it's more than a glimpse. You really can see a lot about different scenes just from, and it's not just with netplay tournaments. It does apply to in-person ones if they have a stream, but there's way more streams now with netplay tournaments. So that's, I think, my closing note is to request that more people give that a try because I think it's fascinating. And the few people who have gotten to do it said that they enjoyed doing that quite a bit. I think that legs might actually be one of them. Is that correct? I I don't know if I told her to do it, but I have definitely spoken with her about doing it. She she definitely is one of the people who's on board with that being a really fun thing to do. Yeah, she loves watching locals, not really big tournaments. She just likes watching locals of out of region stuff. Yeah, she especially um loves it. Uh as I know that legs is a very uh big fan of some of the matchups that a lot of people don't like watching like she likes watching like the floatier uh characters try to deal with each other and just get bounced away from each other over and over again um stuff like that she she's definitely she's got some similar interests to what i have with like trying to find the weird shit in the game not perfect overlap i think legs is a, a more competitively minded person in that aspect but because didn't she go to like didn't she participate in like an online tournament like every week for like a year or something or she no, hasn't been playing no, for a year legs yet runs but, her own tournament series yeah she does run that but i want to say it wasn't it wasn't a year because she hasn't been playing for a year just yet it was like it was some some significant milestone of like multiple months for every week she played in a net play tournament. It's like this person who's been playing for like a, a 20th of the time that I have has gone to infinitely more tournaments than I have. And that that's that's crazy to me. Um and I, I have a lot of respect for that. And uh yeah, so legs legs is definitely among the people who I've had conversations with about just subjecting yourself to these different worlds of melee that exist all around the globe that we we kind of ignore and i I think it's 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 a shame and i i want more people to give it a shot if any of those clips get on to turn down for walt's top 10 plays of the month where he's trying to emphasize local play local highlights not just oh here are all the biggest moments from the biggest event in january but literally if it happens in a tournament set you can send the clip to me Hopefully that takes off because it'd be really cool for like the number five spot of January to be a play for, or a top 10 play from, ooh, I don't know. I mean, Southeast Asia, I just watched a top eight, a top eight compilation of a Southeast Asian tournament. Very, very cool stuff. So you're right. Watching Melee yep. played internationally is Pog Champ. And for you, Punk, it was super awesome to have you on. So where can the people find you if they want to experience the weird shit with you with Melee? Uh, recently, I've been streaming a little bit more on Twitch. Uh, Twitch name is just uh, 
Punk Live. So it's P U U N K underscore Live. So L I V E. Um, I will sometimes post some of my strange encounters on Slippy Unranked or just some weird shit that I'm labbing in clips on Twitter. Uh, that's on the screen. It's at Gray Pride Parade. Um, I'm fairly active in Firepuff 12's Discord. Uh, you can find me in there fairly often. Um, and I, I think that covers... You can also frequently find me in uh, YouTube or Twitch uh, like live stream chats for Project M tournaments. I, I tend to have uh, some, some things to say or some questions because the depth of that game surpasses anything else I've played in my life. And so I'm always asking people who I know are very educated about that game always asking them questions it's fascinating tell me more so punk one more time thank you for joining me on bottom of the smash mountain yep for sure thank you for having me on